Amen. Thank you, Jacob. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Colton. I'm our youth pastor here, and I'm just delighted to be able to share the word with you. If you have your Bibles, uh, would you open them to Matthew chapter 13? Uh, We're going to start by reading the first 23 verses of that. Um, So let's dive into this text. Matthew 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. And they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. And they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but didn't see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. The seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Let's pray now as we dive into this. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for these parables that offer us windows into what the kingdom of God is like. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts today. God, would you speak through me, uh, that those who have ears to hear might hear your word and long to live their lives in step with the Holy Spirit. We pray this in your name. Amen. Have you ever heard a song on the radio or, or maybe you have a playlist on your phone? Uh, Often when you hear songs, uh, sometimes you do one of these, these few things. Uh, maybe something like this. Either you hear Bob Dylan on the radio. Uh, maybe, you did, maybe you did an immediate 
reach for the phone and radio dial to turn it to something new. Uh, maybe you heard the Eagles, and you gave it a listen before eventually, you know, kind of forgetting about the song and who really sang it. You didn't really care. Or maybe you heard the new Taylor Swift song and absolutely belted it out, singing loudly, bobbing your head so that the car next to you or the person sitting next to you on the bus gave you a really weird look. Right? If we have ears to hear a particular song, it usually means that we're fully engaged. Now, some of us have ears uh, to hear the wonderful classical riffs underlying heavy metal music. Others enjoy the lyrical eloquence of hip-hop and the marvelous ringing of a symphonic sound, the smooth slide of a trombone, or maybe a sharp snare drum, or the silky smooth voice of a contemporary singer, or the slides and bends of the notes in the blues. So each of us has a different set of ears when it comes to musical styles. And some of us hear the beauty in it, others not so much. Now in this parable, Jesus is opening up what the kingdom of heaven looks like, so that those who have ears that are listening can hear the song of the kingdom and join in singing it. See, it's not a matter of musical preference, but of theological reverence. What or who are we going to sit back, to sit under, and listen to and allow that to move us? See, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, where God reigns and we live in right relationship to him, is growing, worth everything, and inaugurated. It's not fully realized yet, though but it must be responded to. So, so let me ask, why parables? Now let me first start by saying that there's something to be said of the hearers in these parables. Like a good song, some hearers are going to resonate with it, find, that, find themselves in the song, and, and the notes and grooves will capture their attention and pull out their heart to get them moving. After Jesus told the parable of the sowers, the disciples asked him why he spoke in parables. And Jesus tells them that the secrets of the kingdom of heaven are given to the disciples to know, but not given to the crowds. Do the disciples have this special kind of knowledge that people in the crowd just can't know? No, that's not it. In this text, Jesus is taking us back to Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet has this amazing story, this experience in the throne room, a vision of being in the presence of God. And then God says, who will go for me? And Isaiah says, I'll go. And God says, good, but know this. They aren't going to listen to you. In fact, what you say is actually going to harden their hearts against you. And now Jesus is saying, that's what's happening here too. Why won't people listen to Jesus? Why is Jesus even doing this? Jesus in Matthew 11, he's already said that this generation is like a generation that won't listen they won't hear the music of the kingdom. This is what he said, verse 16. To what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you, like a happy beat for a wedding, and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge, as someone would at a funeral, and you didn't mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. See, the people are, as scholar N.T. Wright says, tone-deaf people listening to a symphony. They have no idea what it's all about, and they refuse to respond. They just won't dance. They only want to do their own thing and not live in right relation to the living God. 
So what exactly is a parable then? Is it just an illustration? An illustration, as well-known preacher in the U.S., Haddon Robinson said, it's an abstract truth that explains, proves, or applies a point. But a parable isn't exactly doing that. Jesus isn't explaining or trying to prove or apply a point. A parable actually comes from two words. The Greek word para, meaning beside, and balain, which is Greek for to throw. So we're putting two things beside each other, throwing something beside another thing, drawing a comparison. But the listener has to make the connection. Haddon Robinson gives us examples. Even monkeys fall out of trees. That's a short parable. Or if you're going to buy a fur coat, don't buy one from a bear that is still wearing it. Or if you give the answer, quote, even experts make mistakes, to the parable, you've made the connection and the listener doesn't have to work at it. And it doesn't have the same effect. See, parables are meant to conceal and reveal. They can conceal and reveal meaning, and they can conceal and reveal the identity of the one speaking it. For example, Jesus' ministry has begun, meaning the kingdom of God has come. But at this point in Matthew, Jesus isn't fully revealing who he is. Theologian Rodney Reeves says, The parables in many ways did seem to hide the king and kingdom from those who had already shut their eyes and ears because of their hard hearts. See, this is a matter of people shutting their hearts out from it. In the parable of the sower, the seed, the seed is being spread everywhere. It's not being selectively planted. It lands on all kinds of soil, but not every soil is good soil. Not everyone is understanding the message that is being shared. See, parables work on us even as we work on them. They read us as we read them. Some of you remember when King David in the Old Testament had sinned against God by committing adultery with Bathsheba and then having her husband murdered. The prophet Nathan uh, then tells David this parable of a rich man who had many lambs but took a poor man's only lamb to slaughter it for his guest. David saw himself in the story, but not rightly. He saw himself as the king and the judge. But then Nathan said to him, you are the man meaning you are the rich man. It showed David's blindness, but also his sight when it was made clear. See, Jesus has the same purposes in his parables, that people who are blind would see, and if they had ears to hear, they would recognize their own reflection and place in Jesus' parables. See, the purpose of a parable is not to hide the truth, but to really set it out so that you'll get it. But the burden of response falls on the hearers, those whose hearts are open will get it. Now, when Jesus says, whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance, whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them, he's in effect saying, listen carefully and respond. Or as we often sometimes put it, use it or lose it. And that's true with the song of the kingdom. Uh, you can go to Bible school, pass all the tests, or you can come to church every week and know all the right Sunday school answers quote-unquote, but if you don't take that and actually apply it to your life, you lose it and you miss the beat. But if you put it into practice, you gain more and more. If you really want to understand the scriptures, you've got to use it. It's like a muscle. You know, the more you use it, the stronger it gets, but if you don't use it, it atrophies. So we need to read the word, put into practice what we've learned. R.T. France says, parables 
challenge the hearer to engage with it in an educational process which, if the hearer brings it to it the right attitude and openness, will result in their perceiving and responding to the truth. See, parables can't be received passively. They invite interpretation. They're windows into the kingdom of God. The conclusion of a parable forces a decision, or it, or it forces the hearers to reverse his or her way of thinking. See, if you'll listen, you'll hear the song of the kingdom. Now, let's consider for a moment the different hearers from the parable of the sowers. Sower. There are those that fall on rocky ground, right? They're initially hopeful. They're enthusiastic to the message. The problem is they don't have the root motivation. They like the thought. They like the group. Because there's no inner conviction, when the external things are gone, it withers. When the going gets tough and hard times come, because following Jesus isn't going to always be easy, they wither away. It's like January 1st. You know, we make a New Year resolution to go to the gym or to start a new diet. You start out steady, but eventually, uh, when you're not seeing the results right away, like, or maybe the broccoli and Brussels sprouts for breakfast aren't really helping you get out of bed, there isn't this inner conviction, the workouts and the diets get dumped, along with the benefits of sticking it out during the tough days. Or the thorns, or the worries and cares of this life get in the way. See, true disciples have left everything their comforts, their riches, and many other things to follow Jesus. They've got a new commitment to the kingdom in its song. It's not just an intellectual grasp of the message, but they've got an actual wholehearted commitment. My encouragement today is to, to not let yourself be like the seed that doesn't grow deep roots. Commit fully and grow deep, and you will find life. See, Satan wants to snatch you up. But God is calling you to open up your heart, allow it to be good soil, Hear the call not to let the thorns in life choke out the most beautiful song that you could ever hear. Lay down those desires for riches, security, and pleasures and take up your instrument for the kingdom. Well, you'll find something that will follow you after this life is over. Now, one of the most helpful things from my own ears is that the disciples didn't seem to immediately understand everything. Right? Instead, they asked Jesus, uh, what does this mean? And what was Jesus' response? Hear then the parable of the sower. See, the hearts of the disciples were receptive to it. They may not have fully grasped it, but they didn't just leave. They were good soil. And the good soil wanted and needed watering. Jesus, by his words and the power of the Holy Spirit for us today, does that watering. God's words waters our hearts. It's quite weird then to say, you know, I'm a fan of that band, but I never listen to their music. Quite also equally unnatural to say, I follow Jesus. I never listen to his word, never open it up. We need to be good listeners. And it requires participation, studying the word, being together, sharpening one another. There's a story in Acts about these people who live in Berea. In Acts 17, Paul goes to these Bereans and it says this. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. See, it's wise to search the scriptures, not to harden your hearts and just continue singing your own song, but to be a good Berean. Do the research. Ask the hard questions. So what kind of hearer are you? 
What's the soil of your heart? Are you allowing the word to take root in your heart? Now, Jesus is also using these parables to give us a window or even a verse or two of the music of the kingdom saying, this is how the kingdom works on earth. It's like this. He's inviting his listeners not only to put the music of kingdom on play, but to grab their instruments, use their voices, and join in the song to open up to them the new song of the kingdom. And so I want to invite you in these next few moments to let these parables about the kingdom of God read you as we read them. So first, uh, verse 31, we're going to dive into this parable, the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. It says Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He didn't say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Now, what do our ears hear? The first thing these parables suggest, along with the parable of the sower that we read early, is the smallness of the kingdom. It's hard to see at first. A little bit of yeast hidden in dough, a small seed, a mustard seed. Not huge, not easy to see. Microscopic in size, and you only need a little bit of yeast even. But it makes dough expand and makes good, tasty stuff. See, the result is that what seemed hidden caused a great expansion. The fruit of all of Jesus' labor at this point, uh, though it was having an impact even then, it hadn't really been seen. People hadn't seen exactly what was happening. It started small. It was lost on so many people. So many people missed the secret of the kingdom. But one day, one day, there would be many with ears who would hear The contrast is the start versus the end. God's purpose will reach its fulfillment, and even as it grew, it would have a big impact on the whole of human society. I mean, even now in our world today, we can see this is true. The kingdom of God has grown and is growing, and in many ways is having an incredibly positive impact. The hungry are being fed, the downtrodden cared for, broken relationships are being reconciled, and one day... That kingdom will pervade the whole of human life. It will be beautiful. What else does Jesus tell us about the kingdom of heaven? He tells us that it's worth everything. I love these next two parables. You can look in your Bibles at verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once you have ears to hear the music of the kingdom, you'll want it more than anything else. You'll recognize that you have found something eternally valuable and be willing to give up everything for it. Your life, your plans, You'll take those things that you hold up as ultimate, those things that can't last, the worries of the world and wealth, and find something that just cannot be taken away. 
And this is an important decision. It's not something to just wait on or take your time to decide on. It says that after they found it, they went away and they rearranged their life around what they'd found. This isn't a song you can just sit and, you know, listen to and then not listen to again until it's on the radio. No, this is a song that's on repeat. You can't get it out of your head and you don't want to. It's the one song you want to sing for the rest of your life. There's one great pearl and one treasure, not many. The pearl, the treasure, it's the message of the kingdom, the gospel, which Jesus is announcing and embodying. You're called to give your everything to it. The third thing we see in these parables is that we have to wait. We are in between the kingdom inaugurated. Jesus has brought it. It's here. But it's not yet fully realized. And these last two parables we're going to look at We have Jesus giving us a story of what the kingdom looks like now that it's been inaugurated through Jesus and what it will look like when it becomes fully realized. The first story we get is the parable of the wheat and the weeds, starting in verse 24. In this parable, a man goes and he sows good seed in his field. Jesus explains later to his disciples, and he says that this is the son of man. This is, we know that means Jesus. While the people, while everyone was asleep, the enemy of the man, and Jesus says that this is the devil, this is Satan. He came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and then he left. Uh, When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, hey, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, the man said. Then the servants asked, do you want us to go and pull the weeds up? And the farmer said, no, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow until it's time to harvest. Then we'll collect the weeds and tie them up to be burned. And then we can gather the wheat and put it in the barn. Now, Jesus explained that the field is the world, and the enemy is the devil, and the weeds are the people of the devil. So the harvest time is the end of the age. This is the time when the kingdom is fully inaugurated. Well, fully realized. Uh, Let me read this last part, verse 40. This is what it says. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man, that's Jesus, will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. That's going to happen one day. Not yet. We see evil. We still see sin. But they'll throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now one last short parable helps explain the same principle, but it includes part of our mission in it. Verse 47, Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, there is an enemy. The devil is there snatching up seed and planting weeds among the children of the kingdom. Things are not perfect in the world in which the sons and daughters of the kingdom live. Not yet. The world has in it both people receptive to the word and not receptive and it's hard to tell Uh, that's the case even here today 
But we aren't called to leave the world, but to be salt and light in the world. We're called to let the net down, to be fishers of men. We're called to fish and to pursue a life that reflects that we are part of this kingdom. You know, the sad consequence of the weeds and the bad fish is that they end up in a place without a song. Instead, it's filled with weeping and gnashing of teeth. Not a beautiful sound. But now is the time to share the urgency of that. The need for people to turn away from, from hard hearts and follow Jesus. Now, we don't get to pick and choose who we sing this to. Like the farmer scattering seed in the parable of the sower, he scatters it everywhere. Even on soil that doesn't respond to it. See, we don't know whose heart is what kind of soil. We don't know who has ears to hear and who doesn't. But we are called to sing. We're called to sing loudly and sweetly and to live our lives in tune with the song of the kingdom of heaven and call for a response. See, God knows the hearts of those in his kingdom and who really sings the song and who is just lip-syncing. A famous preacher, Charles Spurgeon, he often says this about preaching. He says, A bell will be heard much further off than a drum. And very singularly, the more musical a sound is, the farther it travels. You know, for our part, the drums are coming at the end of the age. But the musical song of the kingdom is the thing that is growing and spreading now. And that is what we're called to sing. So what is exactly the song that we're singing? Uh, let's listen to the song being sung in Revelation at the end of the age, when we know from the parables that the weeds will be separated from the wheat and the good fish separated from the bad and the fruit of that good soil, the fruit that that good soil produced is now fully ripe. Here's the song we find in Revelation being sung by a great multitude, it says, from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Revelation 7 verse 10 says, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. Here's the King. That is the song of the kingdom. Jesus is King of all and he has saved us. See, even though there was this warning that people would receive judgment back in Isaiah because of their hard hearts, there's this good news that Jesus went ahead of his people, people who trust in him, and took that punishment on himself. So today, if you hear this good news, don't harden your hearts, but open them up. Have ears that hear and receive this good news with joy. Join in the singing, the singing the song of the kingdom. Give up the songs of riches and the cares of this world. Don't spring up quickly and fall away when the going gets tough. Plant deep roots by looking to the Lamb, to Jesus, the King, who died for you. Search God's word. You know, the basis of our faith is in Jesus alone, not our good works. But faith is the means by which we receive that gift, that gift that Jesus gives us. It's the hand that extends out of open ears and an open heart and receives that gift. And there is evidence. Once we've received that gift, we can't help but sing it in word and in deed. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven, where God reigns and we live in right relationship to him, it's growing. It's worth everything. And it's here, but not yet fully realized. But it must be responded to. So my question for you today as I end this is, what song will you let sink into the soil of your heart and let the beat of your heart line up with? Will it be the song of God's kingdom or the song of your own kingdom? Let's pray. God, thank you that you've saved us.
that you sent your son Jesus to die, to take our sin upon himself. God, I pray that our ears would hear that, that call to sing that message to the world, to live it out, to embrace it with wholehearted commitment. Not just listening and then walking away, but wholeheartedly committing our lives to it, to loving you and loving one another. God, it is worth everything. And I pray that we would give our all to you. We pray this in your name. Amen.